Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Chuck was just saying, Jim Upton is here this morning. Um, this is the second one. Where, where is Jim sitting? Right, there he is. Hey, Jim. Hey, welcome back. Amen. We are so glad to have you back. Okay, so um, everyone who likes to time my sermons, um, just hold on. This is something else besides the sermon, so don't start the clock yet. <laughs> this may take a while. <laughs> no. Um, if you'll remember on our 40th anniversary celebration, um, we ask everyone at the very end if you would give for. As we wanted to take that $40, and just as Israel was instructed to go and place these rocks on the other side of the river, we wanted something substantial and tangible that we could place as a marker on the other side of the river for us for 40 years as we enter this new 40 years. And so what we have done, we have received um, probably close to three or $4,000, $5,000. I didn't need to talk to John Carroll. Four-ish, three or four-ish. Um, three or four-ish um, thousand dollars that was given through that. So thank you for doing that. Now we need your help. Um, out here on one of the little round tables is a table with a basket and rocks in it and note cards. And we want your ideas, what we can do in our community with that money to be a blessing to this community as a marker for the next 40 years for our church. Because we want to celebrate what God has done and is doing, and we want something tangible that we can mark that first 40 years with. Does that make sense? So we need help with ideas. What can we do in our community to be a blessing that would mark that first 40 years of God's blessing that we look back on in another 40 years, and it wasn't just, well, we had this money that was given, but it was, we had people's hearts that gave this money, and with this, we were able to do this in our community, see how good God is. That's the purpose of the marker of, of saying, here, let's look back. And so we want your ideas, and you want to just grab one of those note cards and place them in that basket. Um, we would love to hear some ideas. So now, you can start your timer. Not that anyone should do that, but um, Egypt, and we're in this series, and we're talking about um, the shepherd, but specifically, and I told you last week, if you decided, Phil, I'm, this is for you too. This is for you too. You don't have to, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry. The, don't check out just because, well, this is for shepherds. This is not for shepherds. This is for anyone who finds himself in a place where they are a leader, which in some capacity is every single person. So this series is so relevant for you wherever you are at whatever stage. Israel has come out of the Red Sea. We're going to come back to the Red Sea on Easter Sunday. Um, but Israel has come out on the Red Sea. They're on the other side. They find themselves in the desert. See, and, and here's the deal. They came out of Egypt, they came out of slavery, they came out of oppression, and what God told them was, I'm going to lead you out of this place, and I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And yet on the other side of the desert, they don't get a land flowing with milk and honey, 
they get the dreadful desert. They, they don't get milk and honey. They get sand and scorpions. They don't get Canaan. They get Sinai. And, and see, things did not look the way that they thought they would look. This wasn't the way they expected to go. And you can celebrate leaving for milk and honey. It's tough to celebrate the desert, but the desert is the place where Israel is going to move from infancy to adolescence. And so God has to risk the possibility of defiance if he's going to have mature children. He has to be willing to let them go and to find some things on their own. See, here's the deal. Their expectations didn't really line up with what God said was going to happen. And Israel finds themselves in the middle. They're, They're in this journey. They're moving somewhere. And yet they find themselves in the middle. And the problem with being in the middle is most of the time you don't realize you're in the middle until you're on the other side of the middle. You don't realize you're in the middle when you're in the middle. And it's usually not till the other side that you look back and say, well, that really difficult time was the middle for me. It it was part of this journey. And and our expectations were that when we left the promised land, when we left Egypt, that our needs were going to be met. Our expectations were when we left Egypt, we were going to be comfortable. That when we left Egypt, things would look like we thought they would look. And our expectations don't really line up and see every single one of you can relate to that because there have been times when you thought that God was going to move or work in a certain way you expected it see you expected that he was going to fix your marriage and it didn't happen And now you find yourself in the middle. Or you expected, well, I prayed this prayer, and so now the addiction is going to be gone. And you find yourself in the middle. Or you knew that God was going to heal that loved one. And it didn't happen the way that you thought it would. And now you find yourself in the middle. And what happens in the middle, and you need to understand this, we talked about it last week, this may take a while. Like you might be here longer than you thought you would. This might last longer than you expected. Because when you left Egypt, you assumed that God was going to do some things for you and when you find yourself in the middle everything changes your perspective changes your needs change 
God's provisions change. Because what you needed in Egypt, you no longer need in the desert. And what you needed in the desert, you no longer needed in Canaan. And the assumption is, well, the provisions have changed, and so God has left. And God hasn't left. Your needs have just changed. And now the way that he is providing for you is changing. Mike um, always, you can cover your ears, Mike. Mike always says, if you're going to quote me, date me. And he says it's because... Well, my views changed over time, but I would say I need to add something to that. It's not just because our views have changed. It's what we needed to hear from God has changed. What what we needed in 1978 starting a church might not be what we needed from God in 2017. See, I, I believe that the job of the preacher is to listen to the voice of God and speak the word of God to the people of God. And what the people needed to hear then might not be what they needed to hear now because they're in a different place. And their needs are different now. And so the provisions are different now. So I want to read from Exodus chapter 16, and we're going to talk about three stories. Well, really, we're only going to preach about one of them. The other two kind of just get to tag along. So I'm going to read verse 1 through 5 here in chapter 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron And the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around and ate pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly. Side note, if you go back in Exodus I don't remember a whole lot. Wow, we have so much food to eat, and we just get to sit around all day. There's always a tendency to remember the past as better than it was, especially when the present doesn't look like you thought it would look. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you, And the people are to go out each day and gather enough food for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow me or my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gathered the other days. And so there are these three stories that happen. The first one happens at a place, Marah, where the water is too bitter, and they get mad at Moses 
because they don't have water. In the second story that we just read, a food crisis becomes a faith crisis. And then in the third story, Moses and the people are in the desert of Rephindim, and there is no water, and Moses brings water from a rock. And the reason we can tag all these stories together is because there is a pattern in them. And the pattern is this. There is a problem, and the people complain, and Moses intercedes, and God delivers them. So there is a problem, and the people complain to Moses, and Moses intercedes, and then God delivers the people. So in the first story, we don't have water. That's our problem. And so we complain to Moses that we don't have water. And so Moses takes this complaint, this problem, and he presents it to God, and God provides water. How does he provide water? He shows Moses a stick, he throws it into the water, and it becomes sweet, and they can drink it. In the second story, the one we just read, we have no food, and they complain to Moses, well, we could have just died in Egypt, there we had food to eat. And Moses intercedes on their behalf and takes the problem to God. And God is going to rain down manna and quail for the people to eat. With instructions on how to handle this. And then in the third story, the people have a problem. They're thirsty again. And they're complaining and grumbling against Moses. And Moses intercedes to God. And God provides water from a rock. So there's this pattern that happens. There's a problem. The people complain. Moses intercedes. And then God delivers. There's a pattern. But the problem, the problem is the pattern. The problem is the pattern. Gracie is now in fourth grade. She's not here this morning, so I'm going to talk about her. Don't tell her. But last year, she was learning multiplication. And one of the things, if you look at multiplication, is multiplication is a pattern. There is a pattern to it. And so a teacher gives you a problem, and the problem is three times seven. Well, there is a pattern to solve the problem. You take seven plus 7, plus 7, and it equals 21. Or you take 5 times 5, and you say, well, 5 plus 5 plus 5 plus 5 plus 5 equals... All right, come on, this is not hard. I picked easy ones. It's 25. And I learned something really interesting when we were doing multiplication with Gracie. Is along with multiplication, they had definitions. And one of the things that I learned from my third grader is the answer to the problem is the product. Correct? So we know five times five is this pattern. The pattern is a problem. But the pattern 
gives us the product. And so many times we want to complain and we want to deal with our issues and we want to deal with our addiction or our marriage problem and we want a different product. The only way to get a different product is to change the pattern. If you don't want to get 25, we need to change the pattern of 5 plus 5 plus 5 plus 5. And the pattern needs to become 5 times 4. And if we change the pattern, we get a different product. See, the pattern was the problem. Because Israel knew that they could complain about the problem they had. They could take it to Moses And Moses would somehow fix the problem. The problem for Israel was the pattern they were developing. Maybe the problem is not where you are. Maybe it's not necessarily the addiction or the reliance on food. Maybe it's not the depression. Maybe it's not the marriage. Maybe that's not the problem Maybe the problem is the pattern that's producing that product. Well, I struggle with my prayer life. I just don't have time because I'm so busy. The problem is not that you're so busy. The problem is the pattern. Well, I just get angry. It's just who I am. The problem is not the product. The problem is what? The pattern. The problem is the pattern. And for Israel, we have a pattern. And they complain to the leader. See, when we were growing up, we played this really cool game. It was called Follow the Leader. Anyone ever play Follow the Leader? Yeah. And it's pretty cool because you, if you get to be the leader, everyone lines up behind you. And you start walking. And you look over your shoulder, and guess what? Everyone's following you. And you start skipping, and everyone else is skipping. And you start walking like a duck. I'm not going to do it. Um, And everyone else starts walking like a duck. And there's something really intoxicating about it. If you look over your shoulder and everyone's doing exactly what you're doing. If everyone's just following you and doing what you do, then there's something that just blows our mind. And it's like, oh, I love doing this. I love people following me. Until. Until the leader does something the followers were not expecting. Now, if you have ever been a parent, you get this. Because you were trying to lead your children, and then what your children were expecting would happen did not happen, and we got a problem. What what do you mean I have a curfew? What, What do you mean I have to budget my own money? See, everything is okay until our expectations go unmet. And see, here's the deal. When our expectations go unmet, people don't look to the one who called them out of Egypt. 
They look to the one who is leading them out of Egypt. They're going to look to the one who's out front. They're going to look to the one who they see. And so I want to just clear this up. Moses, here's your deal. This is your responsibility. I want you to lead the people, not deliver them. Moses, your job is to lead the people, not deliver them. Parents, your job is to lead your children, not to deliver them, not to save them. They do not need you to be their savior. Jesus has already become that. Your job is to lead them to their savior. If you are in a profession where you help people, a counselor, a doctor, a nurse. Your job is not to deliver the people. Your job is to lead them. And this has to be crystal clear in your mind. Because if you confuse the two, and you try to deliver the people rather than lead them, you will fail at both. The first you will not focus on, and the second you are incapable of. Moses, your job is to lead the people, not deliver them. If you remember back to last week, I want you to listen to these words from Exodus 3. I have indeed, this is God talking, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So listen to verse 8. So, I have come down to rescue them. So, I have come down to rescue them. Skipping down to verse 10. This is God now speaking to Moses again. So now go. I am sending you. He tells him, I am coming down to rescue the people, but I am sending you to lead the people. Moses, the people do not need a savior. They need a leader. They have a savior, and it's me. And the problem is they haven't figured out the pattern. Because what I want the pattern to be is for them to realize there's a problem and bring it to me. And if they'll do that, there's going to be a different product on the other side. I don't want them to have a problem, come complain to you, and let you intercede to me. I want you to teach the people to do that for themselves. I want them to learn a different pattern. And that is the role of the leader. That is the role of the shepherd, is to help people learn these new patterns that produce a different product. That that get us to a different place in our walk with God. In the desert, 
the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt there, we sat around and we had pots of meat to eat. See, Israel's problem, once they got into the desert, is they no longer saw God's provision. And the very thing they prayed for to get out of Egypt became the source of their complaint. And God's provision in Egypt became Israel's expectation in the desert. God's provision in Egypt became Israel's expectation in the desert. Has there ever been something in your life that you didn't fully appreciate until it was no longer there? That you didn't realize how much you loved that person until they were no longer there? Or you didn't realize how, what a blessing the job was because you complained about all of the things you didn't like about it and you didn't realize what a blessing that provision was until it was taken away? It's so easy for God's provision to become our expectation. And when he doesn't meet that expectation, the question becomes then, well, where do we go? See, this was a symptom of the problem. Josh, you want to come help me for a second? I picked Josh um, because of these massive biceps. And these sandbags, don't worry, they're not real heavy. They're only 10 pounds. But these people keep bringing these problems to Moses. Hey, Moses, we don't have any water to drink. And we need you to get us some water. And Moses, we don't have any food out here in the desert, so we need you to get us some food. Moses, we don't have any water once again. We need you to figure that out for us. Mom, I forgot my lunchbox, and I don't want to eat at school. You're starting to see the problem, right? There's a pattern. And it's product is going to get really tired really quickly because the complaints don't stop. And what people want to do is they want to bring their complaints and their problems and they want to put them on someone else. And I want my problems to become your problems. I I want you to have to deal with this so I don't have to. I I want you to help fix my problem rather than me addressing the pattern that's causing the problem. Uh, Elders, have you ever felt like this? We, we, we just aren't growing spiritually from, from Gary's sermons. They're kind of shallow. Can you do something about that? See, the, the problem with the pattern 
is the pattern is pretty revealing about the people. See, when someone has a complaint, the complaint usually talks more about them than it does what they're complaining about. We don't have any water. What that really means is not only do we not have any water, we don't have the slightest clue how to get water. And we don't know where it's going to come from. And we don't know who to trust to bring it to us. Or we don't have any food. And we don't know where it's going to come from. And we don't know who's going to bring it to us. Can you take my problems? And here's the deal. The more you allow people to place their stuff on you, the heavier the burden gets for you. Is that starting to get heavy? I mean, that's 100 pounds. And I'm just going to let you drop them here if you, you need to. We're not even going to go to the middle of the auditorium. We'll just stay right here. Thank you. Thanks. See, but here's what we think. When someone brings the problem to us, the complaint, well, I'm going to help them. Because I'm going to hold this for them. Help. Don't hold. Help, don't hold. Help, don't hold. Mom, I forgot my lunchbox and I really don't want to eat what they made at school. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Today, that's the consequence for forgetting your lunch. And there was a pattern that you got up and you watched TV and you messed around and you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And so we can either fix the problem, which is easier on us, or we can help them fix the pattern, which takes a lot more work. See, we, we think when we hold it for them, we're helping them. But we're not. There's an old adage that you've heard many times before. If, if you give a man a fish, he can eat for what? A day. But if you teach him to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. See, the, the problem is the pattern of the leader too. Because Moses' pattern is to listen to the people and then deal with the stuff instead of teaching them how to deal with it themselves. Because that takes more time. And then in chapter 18, this is crazy. Go, go read it later today. But Jethro, his father-in-law, comes to him. And he says to him, Moses, this is not good. You're not only going to kill yourself by doing this, you're going to kill the people you're leading. Because you can't shepherd people when you're carrying around all their stuff. You can't be the parent who is leading them 
when you're constantly carrying their stuff. And I feel like we have a society where parents are constantly trying, oh, they need to be in every sport, and we need to take them to the Metroplex, and we need to sign them up for this, and we need to make sure they're in this, and we'll take them there, and we'll cater to this, and we'll make sure they get their lunch between games, and we'll let them rest, and we aren't going to give them any chores. And You can carry it all you want, but here's the deal. It's going to wear out you, and it's not going to help them. See, we've got to fix the patterns. We, we have a problem. Because, and Paul addresses this in Romans. He says, therefore, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will be able to see God's will. The the problem that we connect with God and we say, well, I'm not connecting with God. The problem is not that we're not, the problem is the pattern. And your job as the leader, your job as the parent, your job as the shepherd is to lead the people, not to save the people. They do not need a deliverer in you. They need a leader in you. They need someone who's willing to say, hey, I see this, let's work through it. I I understand you forgot your lunch today. Let's talk about when you get home how we can do this better tomorrow so that we don't have the same product. See, this is the job of the shepherd. It's to walk alongside the people. And it's to help them figure out, not, hey, I need to provide water for you, I need to provide food. It's to help them figure out where the food comes from. See, and the, the problem that they run into because Moses didn't teach them where that was going to come from well enough or at least they didn't learn it and didn't listen, is you have people who are gathering more on one day than they were supposed to and trying to save it for the next day. And it was full of maggots. And it was ruining. And it was smelling. And then you had some people that were going out on the seventh day to gather what God had not provided that day because he had provided it the day before. See, it's possible for the people to become malnourished because they're trying to eat today what God provided yesterday. And they're trying to gather today what was provided yesterday for today. I think one of the areas that we do this is in our walk with God. I've talked to so many people who say, well, I had this encounter with God, this experience at a camp or a sermon or a retreat. And so what I need to do to get the relationship right is I need to go back there and then things will be okay. And could it be that we're trying to eat today 
what God provided for yesterday. Because where you were then, you had different needs then. And God's provision was different then because your needs were different then. We do this with ministries. We, we found a ministry that worked beautifully in 1975, and we assume that it should work the same in 2017. And it doesn't. Maybe God used that, provided that for that time, for that time, in that place, in that season, in that purpose. But the needs are different now. And instead of doing the hard work of walking with God and seeking and searching for answers and how do we address the, the issues of this new season that we find ourselves in, we want to try to recreate what we had in the past. There's this prayer that Jesus prays, and he says, God, give us today our daily bread. Father, give us today what we need for today. And we have this pattern. (laughs) Well, this worked then, and it's not working now. And so we'll complain about it. And what we need to do as a solution is we need to fix the program. And that doesn't work, so we'll complain about it. Are you starting to see a pattern? Instead of saying, We are in a different time and a different place. And the good news of the gospel has not changed. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, and we are buried with him and raised into new life. That has not changed. But the provision that God wants us to partake in might have changed. See, this 2030 vision is all about seeing how God is going to meet the needs of this community through our church in 2030. And the needs of our community are different in 2030 than they are in 2017. And so we're constantly going to have to be asking the question, how do we meet the needs of our community right now where God has placed us? How do we help the people find the food and find the water? So you got a key when you came in this morning. Everyone grab your key for me. See, every person has a leadership keychain. And the keys represent all of the different responsibilities that you have. I am a parent. I am a husband. I am a leader. I am a preacher. I am a baseball coach. and, And we can go through all the responsibilities. And what we generally think is, well, someone gives us the key, the key becomes my responsibility. That I need to hold on to it and I need to protect it and I make sure no one else gets it. 
And a lot of times you'll get keys like this, and I didn't order the ones that say this, but they'll have a little inscription on here that says, do not duplicate. But let me tell you what's different about your leadership keychain. Duplicate it. Duplicate it. You have a key that goes to something, and your job is not to hold on to it. Your job is to pass it along to the next generation. See, people are going to come with the problems, and one of the ways you pass things along is you say, hey, let's, let's talk about how we can handle that. Let, let me give this back to you, and you hold on to it, and let me tell you how to fix it. You remember we said last week, the most difficult person you will ever have to lead is who? Yourself. It's so much easier just to hold on to it for them and fix it for them. But you've been given this key. So I want you to repeat after me. I have a key. The key is not for me. The key is an opportunity for someone else. If you're a parent, you have been given a key, and that is an opportunity for your children to lead them and to teach them, to shepherd them, to disciple them. If you have a business, you have a key, and the key is not for you. Because here's the deal, Moses, at some point, your leadership is limited. There's a life expectancy to it. There's a lifespan. There's a table life. And one day, you're not going to be in the leadership position that you currently are. Moses, your leadership is limited, but if you will equip the next generation, your legacy is unlimited. That you have a key and it is not for you, it is an opportunity for someone else. And so wherever you are in this stage of life, wherever, whatever season that is, you have a key and it is an opportunity for someone else. It is for you to disciple someone. It is for you to walk with someone. It is for you to share with someone. The key is not for me. And if the key is for you, when your life is gone, so is your leadership. And so is your legacy. See, before Moses dies, after this conversation with Jethro, he starts passing stuff off to Joshua. And when Moses dies, there's not this mass hysteria of what are we going to do. They know what they're going to do. Because Joshua has been given more and more responsibility along the way. So let's turn our attention real quickly to shepherds. And talk about what this means for us as a church. As we call these men to serve. You are not called to save the people. 
You are called to lead the people. You are called to help, not hold. So Timothy, chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 2. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Look for the pattern in their life. And the pattern can be seen from the product. So when we look for men, we're not looking for these qualifications as in a checklist. We're we're looking at the product. Is this a man who is worthy of respect? Is he respectable? Is he hospitable? Is he temperate? Is he faithful to his wife? Is he self-controlled? Do we see these patterns that are producing fruit in his life? So we look for these qualities, and we call out these men who have these qualities. And we say, we want you to help shepherd our flock. We want you to help shepherd our church, the people. They don't need a Savior in you. They need a leader. See, one other thing about these bags that get pretty heavy is we always think of these as, well, we don't want to give this responsibility to someone because if we give this responsibility to the wrong person, it's going to hurt our church. And there's a lot of truth to that. But there's another side to it as well. If we give this responsibility to the wrong person it could crush them Marion just celebrated celebrating her 85th birthday today there's a reason though I picked Josh Dill and not Marion to stand up on stage and hold 100 pounds right there's a reason because the weight of responsibility is great. And one thing you'll notice about the shepherd, when the people come and complain to Moses that we don't have any water to drink, neither does Moses. And we don't have any food to eat, neither does Moses. See, this responsibility will crush the wrong person. And it is vital 
that we find the men who have these qualities, who have developed these patterns, and we see the product on the other side. Father, this morning, Father, I pray that wherever we are as a church, as people, as individuals, Father, your spirit would speak to us where we are in this season, and you will provide for us what we need simply for today. And Father, I pray that we will trust you more, that you will provide, and that because your provision has changed, it does not mean that you have not left us. It does not mean you have left us, Father. It just simply means our needs have changed, and you must provide for us in a new way. Father, help us to trust in that this morning. And Father, by your Spirit, that our lives would trust in Jesus above all things. And Father, that we would take this responsibility that we have as a key chain leader wherever we are very seriously because our leadership has a lifespan and at some point it will be over. But if we will equip the next generation and if we will walk alongside them and help them and not hold them, then Father, our legacy will continue on. Father, help us to be a church of keychain leaders that are leading the next generation and helping them find where to get water and food. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could help you in any way this morning, um, we would love to invite you to do that. If you need to give your life to Christ, you can come at this time. We're going to have shepherds and ministry staff around the back of the auditorium as well. We would love to just simply pray for you. Whatever we could do, Um, Come while we stand and sing.